What's sad is that in Cyprus, we really had an organic way of living even like 30 years ago. And it's become like America. It's become so polluted that we're, we're getting to see toxins in our bodies and an increase in chronic conditions such as autoimmune disease, such as cancer, diabetes and obesity. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, The Chantel Ray Way. And each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. And today's guest is Tina Christudia-Spiru, and she is a thyroid dietitian. She has struggled with her own health issues of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and she has her own journey as helped her to relieve symptoms that are associated with chronic autoimmune diseases. And so we are so excited to have you. Tina, tell us a little bit more about your own health journey. Hi Chantel, sure. Well, knowing what I know today, I probably had a thyroid problem from like 15 years old because I was always that teenager that even though I was involved in so many things, I would always get tired easily. I would always need a nap. I would always want to go to bed earlier, but I just thought of it as something normal. I just thought of it as something like, that's just Tina, that's just me. And this carried on into my 20s. I was very active. I would go to the gym all the time. And even though I needed a nap after the gym, again, I would consider this as normal. I always struggled to keep my weight down. I would follow diets that, according to how we were trained as registered dietitians, now I know they really don't work. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. And I think my real symptoms hit after I gave birth to my daughter when I was about 33. So this is like about eight years ago. And I was four months after giving birth to my daughter, I was tired all the time, severely exhausted. During my pregnancy, I had put on like seven kilograms, which is about 16 pounds. Well, after four months out, I had put on like 20 pounds without really changing much. Um, My hair was falling out, I was severely constipated. And it, it was for my husband reaching out and looking at me and saying, this is not the woman I married. And I had gone to a doctor and the doctor kind of looked at me like, well, this is all in your head. This is crazy. And you're a dietitian and you don't know how to lose weight. What's wrong with you? So I I left that meeting feeling very deflated, very lost. And my husband said, okay, he reached out to a doctor in um, London and he actually got a book for me called Stop the Thyroid Madness. And as I was reading through that book, I said to myself, you know, I'm really relating a lot to what's being written here. And we found the doctor, integrative doctor in London. He had started me on some alternative thyroid medication or more natural thyroid medication. And he started talking to me about nutrition and supplements. Now, you can imagine as a registered dietitian, I was kind of sitting there like, hmm, I'm a Harvard registered dietitian and no one has taught us this stuff. Um, And so it was kind of my aha moment because once I started his nutrition protocol and started taking supplements and started taking another kind of medication, within two weeks I had lost like 
eight pounds. I deflated. I started having energy. My brain fog cleared. I joined the land of the living again. And it started my journey into really wanting to find out about this holistic approach to health. And what had happened was I started doing research. I wrote my book, Tired of Feeling Tired, which is a book that addresses how to improve your symptoms of hypothyroidism using nutrition. And from then on, I went on to become an autoimmune protocol certified coach. And since then, I am almost done with my functional medicine practitioner training. I take my test in November. So this is where I am today, and I'm in a beautiful position, and I feel very blessed to be using my story to help others. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. And I feel like I can relate to you so much because the same thing happened to me. I have an eight-year-old son. After I gave birth to him, literally my hair was falling out in such chunks. I have to show you a picture. I hate, I have a very um, like fat face, meaning like all my weight is carried in the top of my body. Like my legs are very, very skinny. So I'm one of those people, I hold a lot of weight. Like even when you see me um, as a baby or when I'm four years old, you know, I'm super skinny, but my face is like, you know, just really, that's where, and my son is the same way. We just have a lot of, we carry a lot of that in our face. And so um, my hair does not look good if it's short. You know, some people look better. But my hairdresser, literally, she said to me, Chantel, you've got literally holes of hair missing because you've lost so much hair from your, from your thyroid that we had to cut my hair short. It was awful. And that's exactly what happened to me. So it's just, thank you for sharing your story. Um, so I like to ask a question that all my guests, I ask them the same thing. Walk us through a day in the life of Tina. Like, what did you eat yesterday? When did you eat it? And are there certain foods that are off limits that you avoid and you say, you know what? This does not work well for my thyroid. And talk us through that. Well, I noticed that you're a big fan of intermittent fasting. And yes. I, I am totally into that. I find that it really helps my body um, stay skinnier and stay more in shape and stay more alive. And of course, this is not for everybody, but it is definitely something that can be used as a tool to help you to lose weight, but also to gain health. Um, so my day typically starts, I typically start with a cup of water, uh, warm water with some lemon and some ginger, and I just continue to keep really well hydrated throughout the morning. And my first meal probably won't be until around 11, 12. Um, and there I start having some lunch. So that could typically be, I could walk you through what I had yesterday. So yesterday I had a very Cypriot or Greek dish, which was, included lentils and um, a nice huge green salad with olive oil and lemon and very typically Greek. And uh, after that, I did not eat anything until about uh, five or six o'clock when I had dinner and I used the rest of that salad and I had some avocado and some chicken which I cut up into it with again with olive oil and lemon and I did have a banana around seven o'clock so for those of you that are wondering should I be eating carbs before I go to sleep um, carbs carbs actually help to lower cortisol levels so people that have trouble sleeping that's a very good tactic to use just a little bit even just a little piece of fruit or a little bit of quinoa at your dinner can help you to decrease cortisol and to fall asleep easier. 
So that's a typical day for me. What I cut out because I have an autoimmune issue, I stay away from gluten. I stay away from most grains. Um, oats really bother me. I stay away from dairy, uh, processed foods, and sugar. These are the, the main things. Okay, I'm human. Once in a while, if we have a little bit of sugar, like on, on the rare occasion, it's not a big deal, but definitely I don't make a habit of it. What kind of things, like if you, if you decide, hey, I do want to have a little bit of sweets, is there any like products that you love or different snacks that you say, hey, I'm going to have a little bit of this? Sure. Actually, one of the demonstrations I recently did for a group of my patients was we made energy bites. And this is um, a recipe by Nikki Trescott from autoimmunewellness.com. She's one of my mentors. And basically, they're made up of dried fruits and coconut oil and coconut shreddings. And I tend to put a little bit of collagen powder in there. And so it, just having a couple of these or three of them, uh, you, it really holds you if you, need a, if you need a snack. And it gives you that sweet taste. It satisfies your sweet tooth. Mm, awesome. And is there anything that you would say like as far as <clears throat> things like toxins, um, you know, there are so many toxins that we have that just really affect the optimal functioning of the thyroid. And so can you talk about some different things that maybe you've removed from your day-to-day uh, -day living that has helped with your thyroid? Sure. I was reading a statistic that before the average woman leaves the household, she's already put like 400 chemicals on her. Mm. And this comes from, you know, all the shampoos and the body lotions and the creams and the makeup. <laughs> We're completely sold on all these kinds of um, cosmetics. And so what I've done is like I tried to buy cosmetics that um, are approved by the environmental working group um, that have less toxins in them. I try not to use that many cosmetics actually. actually. I try to go natural most days. I put a little bit on today. Um, and that's one of the things I've changed. With shampoos, I try to go- so, so let me stop you there. So what is the brand of cosmetics that you prefer to use? Um, there is, there is, I don't have a specific one that I, that I use. I could, uh, I don't remember them now, but I could go upstairs at some point and. Well, that's fine. We can add it to our show notes. That'd be great. Okay. What else, what are some other common toxins that kind of make us sick that you've kind of removed out of your, your daily habits? So anything that's commonly genetically modified, right? So wheat is very genetically modified, soy, corn, avoiding all of these kinds of foods are definitely the way to go. They did a Friends of the Earth study here in Cyprus, in Greece, and uh, they showed that 50% of people in Cyprus have glyphosate in their urine. And glyphosate is a very, very common um, poison that's sprayed on a lot of these Roundup, on a lot of these genetically modified foods. And so we're seeing that even though I would say what's sad is that in Cyprus, we really had an organic way of living even like 30 years ago. And it's become like America. It's become so polluted that we're, we're getting to see toxins in our bodies and an increase in chronic conditions such as autoimmune disease, such as cancer, diabetes, and obesity. And wow. so like I say, is definitely, you know, anything that's genetically modified. I try to go organic as much as possible. I try to eat seasonal as much as possible. Um, 
Toxins are in the air we breathe. So using an air filter can sometimes help, especially in the bedroom when you're sleeping. Dust can be full of aluminum. You know, so making sure that everything is clean, not cleaning with a lot of uh, heavy products, cleaning with like vinegar and lemon can be just as effective or more effective than chlorine. <laughs> so making all these little adjustments and going as natural as possible really helps you to live a cleaner lifestyle. Water filters also. Um, chlorine in the water, especially in the United States, is very high. And you know, like you can actually be, like especially if you're taking a hot shower in the United States and all that steam of chlorine <laughs> is filling the shower, you could really be poisoning yourself. I was wondering why I was feeling so um, tired and very, felt almost sick, like I wanted to throw up after I would take a hot shower in the United States. And later I found out that the chlorine is very high. And so using water filters is also very important. Don't forget that our skin is the largest organ in our body and it is a living, breathing thing. So anything we put on our skin, any water that touches our skin, we're absorbing. Mm. What about water bottles? Have you kind of gotten rid of the plastic water bottles? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, using things like uh, stainless steel or glass, you know, going back to traditional kind of bottles is not only smart for us, but better for the environment. I just got a Berkey water filter and you can get those on Amazon. I will tell you that is the best. We have to add it with the fluoride. To, they have an extra filter for the fluoride. You have to get it with that. It is the best water you're going to ever taste and cleanest, purest. It is absolutely um, amazing. Um, what about with your, um, like your frying pans and your pots? What is your preference on doing, on using that? Well, um, I actually was using a lot of uh, stainless steel stuff, but I recently found out from an expert, Dr. Deanna Minnick, she is an expert on uh, detoxing and using food um, as medicine. And uh, she was saying that it is better to use a whole variety of different kinds of cooking apparel because you're getting different nutrients from different things. So for example, cast, cast iron pots and pans, you're getting more iron from that, right? So again, if you're a person that struggles with too much iron, high iron levels, you shouldn't be using cast iron. And so um, definitely staying away from all the nonstick stuff, that's just toxic, that's just, <laughs> you're getting huge loads of aluminum just by using it once. It's very bad for you. Mm. All right, this, let's jump right into the listener questions. This is from Haley in Key West. At the beginning of the year, I was diagnosed with psoriasis. I've kept it under control for the most part, but some days are better than others. Around the beginning of summer, I decided I wanted to become vegetarian. Are there certain foods I should stay away from, and are there certain foods I should be eating more of since I've cut meat out of my diet completely? Well, the great thing there is like if you're, if you're going truly um, vegan, for example, you're cutting out a lot of inflammatory-causing foods, like, for example, dairy. You're cutting out dairy, which although in a natural way it can be very nutrient-dense, dairy is also very inflammation-causing. Um, and a lot of people think that it's because of the lactose, which is the sugar found in dairy, but it can, it's also because of the casein found in dairy. And the casein is a protein that can act similarly to gluten in causing inflammation. So that's one great thing 
as a vegetarian or vegan, you're kind of cutting out. Another thing as a vegan that you're cutting out that can cause inflammation are eggs. So that naturally goes away again. And a lot of people think it's the egg yolk that can cause the inflammation, but it's really the egg white. Um, the egg white can stick to particles like viruses or bacteria that can exist right in the gut and actually, actually help them be transported out of the gut and into the bloodstream where the immune system starts an attack. And so that's another thing that can be easily taken out if, you, if you're vegan. Now the challenge is when you're, when you're vegan is that I've helped many vegans on an autoimmune type protocol, even though the bioavailability of meat, of organically raised meat, parentheses there, is uh, much more bioavailable in the body. Um, I definitely respect uh, vegetarians and vegans, especially if uh, you're eating vegan um, for health reasons or for, um, for ethical reasons. We can definitely do well on a vegan diet. So the challenge here is getting more protein. And especially when you're sick with an autoimmune disease, your requirements for protein skyrocket. You really need more protein to sustain better health. And this is where it's important to work with a nutritionist to really be getting the right amounts of protein in, in your diet. And so pea protein is a very well absorbed and also has a very good amino acid profile. So if someone's uh, can tolerate pea protein, that's a great one. Hemp protein is also another one to uh, gain into your diet. It's another good one because it's higher in omega-3 fatty acids as well. And so, you know, adding these protein powders to your meals, to your smoothies, uh, very important. Also, if you're vegetarian or vegan, very important to keep track of your iron levels, your ferritin levels, and also your B12. B12 is a nutrient that is predominantly found in things like uh, meat or chicken, or liver or these kinds of foods. So you're not gonna find it if you're in a vegan diet. So a lot of the time I have my vegan clients supplementing with B12. And just so you know, you can easily see if you're B12, B12 deficient, if you start feeling numbness or tingling in your extremities, or if you stick out your tongue and you see like teeth ridges on the side, that's a sign of B12 deficiency as well. Wow, that's great. Um, so if you had to say the top three foods that you would say that you've seen for patients that they could cut out of their diet if they're struggling with psoriasis, what would those three triggers be, would you say? So the first thing, of course, is all processed foods. Anything that comes in a box and has more than four ingredients, just throw it away. <laughs> it's garbage. Do not eat it. You don't even have to sit and figure out what all the additives mean. Just do not eat it. It's easy. The second thing is anything containing gluten in it. There, I, I say this with uh, caution because a lot of people think, oh, I can eat gluten-free and they go and buy gluten-free biscuits and they go and buy, buy gluten-free muffins and gluten-free this and gluten-free that. Again, this is processed food. So when we say gluten-free, maybe have a little bit of quinoa, have a little bit of buckwheat, or you know, in its natural state, like cooking it at home is, is much better. And the third thing is dairy, conventional dairy, especially as part of an initial elimination diet. A lot of people that have issues with um, reflux or burning when they're eating foods, typically it comes from dairy. And if they cut out dairy, they see an improvement in a lot of those symptoms. 
You know, I took one of those food allergy tests a while back, and it showed for me eggs was highly, highly, like, you know how they have red, yellow, and they have the different levels, and for me, eggs was highly allergic. So I cut out eggs for a while. I brought eggs back in and then tolerated it. I have a funny relationship with eggs. Sometimes I can have them, and sometimes I can't. You know, it just, you don't know that... For, with me for some reason. Sometimes my body has whatever it needs to be able to, to handle it, and then sometimes I have it and I don't feel I mean, great. What you said is key. What you said is very important because I get so many questions like, is this good for you? Is that good for you? And I always ask, and I always answer, it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on what stage that person is in their life. For example, you may be able to tolerate eggs when you're in like a Zen mode, when you're very, uh, very okay. And you can eat mostly anything and you're fine. If you're stressed out and you eat an egg, it can cause a reaction. Mm. So it really depends. And this is where working with a coach or working with someone that's knowledgeable in these things can help you to realize what works for you. That's so important. Everybody's different. That is... Yeah. And I will tell you, that's so funny that you say that because I still struggle with psoriasis. I still have some issues with psoriasis. And when I'm on vacation and I'm relaxed and da, 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 my psoriasis really just goes away. It's so, it just calms down. And so I just, I really think that the number one thing, you know, I definitely think Food plays a huge, huge part. Um, but I think that stress is a huge part of psoriasis as well. I would definitely agree with that. I think autoimmune conditions, I would say the number one trigger is stress mm. for a traumatic event. The second thing is food, what we're, what we're putting yes. in our bodies. And the third thing are toxins. Yes, I agree. That's funny. I feel like me and you are just so on the same page. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, but as you know, I've interviewed over a thousand women and every time I've watched a thin eater eat, I realize that maintaining a healthy weight is a skill that can be taught and mastered over time. That's why I created a video course that will teach you all the tips that I learned to help me lose over 30 pounds. It's way more powerful to watch the thin eaters than even to listen or to read it. Go to ChantalRayWay.com slash video for a free glimpse. All right, let's jump right into the next question. April from Fort Worth. I've had hypothyroidism for five years now. I've changed my diet, tried a number of medications. I've started exercising. The list goes on and on. I still struggle every day with feeling exhausted and stressed. I haven't noticed my results. I haven't noticed many results since following these changes to my lifestyle. What can I do to get to my happy, healthy self? Is there anything else I can sh- should be doing or should be cutting out? April in Fort Worth. That's a really important question. So thank you, April, for that. I mean, um, seven, seven out of 10 people that change their diets are able to kind of see amazing results. Now, there's those three out of 10 people that when they change their diets and they're doing everything right, like April is, still don't see results. They're still stressed. They're, they're still losing hair. They're still gaining weight. Um, and that's when working with a functional medicine practitioner can really help. What it sounds like to me, without knowing more information about April, is that she is stressed out. So there definitely may be some adrenal issues going on there. 
And 90% of people with an autoimmune condition have adrenal fatigue or adrenal dys dysfunction. And so what my advice would be, would be to implement practices like learning how to breathe throughout the day, um, getting better sleep. Like if you have trouble falling asleep or you are waking up throughout the day, throughout the night, um, you know, doing like having a nighttime hygiene, just like you have a morning hygiene, you know, we get up, we brush our teeth, we take a shower. The same thing in, in the evening, maybe it's taking a shower, making sure that you're in a pretty dark room half an hour to an hour before you're sleeping with maybe a red light on for some light reading um, and really signaling the body that it's time to sleep. Most of us, we don't do this. We're on our laptops, we're on our phones, um, we're switched on all the way up until the time we're going to sleep. And what that does is that even if you're falling asleep in front of a television, you can wake up throughout the night because your cortisol is stimulated, your stress hormone, which is beautiful if it's in the morning, to, to be high in the morning. But at night, if your cortisol is high, you're gonna keep waking up. And also, if there's something in your life that's stressing your, you out, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be, for example, if you, if you deal with toxic people on a daily basis, a lot of people, you know, in our work environment, we can't help the people that we're working with. <laughs> We can't get rid of them. So instead of changing them, we have to change our reaction to them, you know, and it's survival. It's helping your body to be healthier. All these things seem like common sense advice, but unfortunately, like my dad says, common sense is not so common anymore. <laughs> and so we really have to go back to nature. We really have to go back to how our bodies were programmed to, to survive. Some stress is needed. Some stress is good. So I give an analogy of a lion. A lion will go and attack and kill its prey. That's its form of stress, right? But after it's eaten, what is it doing? It's lying around, right? It's resting. Most of us don't do that anymore. We're just go, 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 go until, until we have to sleep, you know? So we need the good amount of stress of going and, and pursuing and doing what we love. And then in the evening, having some time to really wind down before we go to sleep. So I think that really focusing on these uh, lifestyle adjustments are, are very important. Mm. All right. This next question is from Misty in Tuxin. I'm a huge believer in detoxing and fasting. I love the feeling after you just finish a cleanse or a detox. I'm almost like a whole new person. I also incorporate fasting every now and then. I guess I'm just a health nut. But recently I've been diagnosed with thyroid issues. I've heard that cleansing and detoxes might actually trigger my issues. Is that true? Should I totally cut them out or just limit and how often do I do them? Okay, so she kind of contradicted herself a little bit, right? And I want to point that out because she said that when I detox and when I do fasting, I feel awesome. I feel like a better person. But at the same time, she's heard that detoxing can trigger her symptoms. So again, this is really an individualized thing. You know, again, you said it in the beginning of the show how toxins can destroy the thyroid, right? So detoxing is very much a big part of healing your thyroid, addressing the liver, supporting the liver to get proper detoxification processes on the way, very important to healing. And so it really depends on the person, what kind of detox you should be following and what works for you. So for example, there's some people with 
thyroid issues that also have blood sugar issues. Like they, they're the people that after two to three hours, if they haven't eaten, they feel shaky. They, maybe they get a headache, maybe they get cranky, they can't deal with stuff. And these are the people that need to be eating every three hours and can't do fasting right away. So what I would do is do a detox, a lighter detox that has them eating every three hours and avoiding all the inflammation causing food. So gluten, dairy, processed food, sugar, eggs, these kinds of things. Now, for people that can handle it, that person, by the way, the goal is to get them to be eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, and go longer hours without eating because that helps the body to detox. That helps the body to rest and repair. And so that is the goal of somebody that has blood sugar issues, to get them to a point where they don't anymore. And then there's the person that can handle more. So people that can uh, do liquid fasts for like one or two days, people that can, you know, um, do intermittent fasting. This helps the immune system to reboot and repair and, and uh, work better and to be balanced. So it really depends on the person. If she's feeling great on doing detoxing and fasting, I wouldn't stop. It's not going to do her harm. It's doing her good. Mm. Great. Okay. <clears throat> this next one is from Helen in Boston. For the past six months or so, I've been having horrible bloating, cramping, and constipation. I thought it was something I ate, but day after day, I started slowly to worry it might be something bigger. I am t lactose intolerant, but I'm also very good about avoiding dairy. I've been hearing so much about gut health and how important it is to keep healthy. Are these symptoms of an unhealthy gut, or am I starting to develop more food allergies and sensitivity? I would definitely say both. And since I'm Greek, I can say the father of medicine, Hippocrates, said many thousands of years ago, the, the I guess, all disease begins from the gut. And research today is showing exactly this to be true. And so if someone is having a lot of bloating, a lot of cramping, a lot of constipation, these are definitely signs, and food sensitivities, these are definitely signs of a leaky gut, which I'll explain what that is in a second, and also of dysbiosis, which means that all the mix of good versus bad bacteria is out of whack. So we have too much bad bacteria compared to your good bacteria. And so, especially if somebody is constipated, that tells me that there's a motility issue, which means that you're not, your intestines aren't moving fast enough. And when that happens, there can be a backup. So the bacteria that can live happily in the colon, all of a sudden move up into the small intestine. And you can have an issue called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. And these gram-negative bacteria, when they feed on things that like uh, sugar or carbohydrate or um, things like onions and garlic, um, they tend to cause bloating and cramping and those kinds of issues. So that's something that she definitely needs to go and look out for, SIBO, um, or get tested for. And then also uh, leaky gut, um, Dr. Alessio Fasano, which is a brilliant researcher working out of Boston, he said that you need three things to acquire an autoimmune disease. The first thing is a genetic predisposition. In other words, if your parents have an autoimmune disease, you may be more likely to get one, but not necessarily. The second thing is a trigger. So for example, if you had a traumatic experience, or you have a lot of stress, that can be a trigger, or your diet, food intolerances could be a trigger. And the third one is a leaky gut. 
And uh, so anyone that has an autoimmune disease, I automatically assume leaky gut. And what that means is that things that can exist happily inside of the intestine are now moving out into the bloodstream. One of the functions of the intestine, besides digestion and absorption, is actually protect protecting the rest of the body from toxins or bacteria or viruses or fungus that can live happily in the intestines, but not in the rest of the body. And this system starts to break down. And so day after day, month after month, year after year, this is happening and you're getting you know, viruses or proteins leaking into the bloodstream, your immune system is starting to go haywire <laughs> saying, what the heck is all this? And it starts to attack and it starts to, you know, it starts to attack things that it's not supposed to be attacking. And so the first thing that we need to address with an autoimmune condition is healing the gut. And so definitely this is a long winded way of saying for this patient, she definitely needs to get her diet in order and to do things to address the leaky gut. For example, um, uh, bone broth, collagen proteins, glutamine, which is an amino acid, um, marshmallow roots, um, glycerized licorice, all of these things can help to repair a leaky gut. And uh, you can get it in supplements and definitely working with a functional nutritionist or functional medicine practitioner can help you to understand what works for you. Mm. All right, this next one's from Susie Michelle Rudebaker in Ohio. I just did a candida online test to see if I had candida. I answered yes to all of the questions. I definitely have candida. I went to the doctor because I also had a yeast infection and was prescribed dif prescribed Diflucan to take for three days. I ended up getting a double prescription and took it for seven days. My drug, my doctor said this drug is not addictive. It really helped with my candida. Do you suggest me taking it for longer than seven days? And are there any other natural remedies that you can suggest that will really help beat candida? I definitely have it. Well, I can, uh, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not able to talk about um, the drugs, but working with other functional medicine practitioners that are doctors, they have, they have um, said that you can use it for longer. However, if you're going to use it for longer than a week or two, it's very important to be monitored by a doctor that will also check your liver function test. It can affect your liver. Okay, um, so it's very important to be monitored to make sure that something is not going wrong with your liver. If it's working for you, great. You just need to be monitored by your doctor. Other more natural approaches is definitely to take some caprylic acid, which is a fatty acid that is naturally found in things like coconut oil. Um, but you need much higher doses to address candida. You can also um, take some oregano oil, which can also help to reduce candida. Another thing that is more beneficial, because a lot of the time when, if you're talking about a very toxic person and you're killing stuff off, when you're killing fungus, when you're killing parasites, when you're killing viruses, these things release endotoxins, which can actually make you feel sicker, okay? So sometimes my approach will be to build the person up instead of automatically kill something. And so replacing your probiotic with some with um, beneficial yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii can, be very effective in lowering candida. So these are my natural remedies. Mm, that's awesome. Okay, this next one is from Jess in St. Louis. 
I'm a crazy busy mom of two awesome boys. My diet's pretty clean. I cut out dairy and gluten for the most part. I like to keep my boys' diet pretty clean, but is it okay for me to cut diet, dairy out from their diets? I'm just so worried that if I don't give them enough milk, they won't have strong, healthy bones. Oh, this is something that was so drummed into us by the lovely marketing campaigns <laughs> of the Dairy Council. Even us dietitians, we were taken into the Dairy Council to say to people, you need to have three to four servings of dairy every day to have healthy bones. And it's just not true. Um, all, again, although dairy can be, um, if she's really worried about it and she wants to get the beneficial stuff of dairy, definitely go for organic dairy. But I wouldn't necessarily have it every single day. And also what I would suggest is that most people seem to think that calcium, low calcium, is the reason for not having healthy bones. And so we're obsessed with getting all this calcium into our diet. The earth, if you're buying uh, organic fruits and vegetables, is a good source of calcium. So you can get a good amount of calcium from eating um, you know, a plant-based diet. And, but what's more important to look out for is do you have the right amount of vitamin D? Most people are low in vitamin D. Vitamin D, vitamin K2, and um, magnesium are all very important factors in absorbing calcium. And if you look at most Americans, we're deficient in vitamin D, we're deficient in vitamin K2, which is produced by a healthy gut bacteria. If you don't have that healthy gut bacteria, you're not producing vitamin K2. And also uh, magnesium. Most people are chronically deficient in magnesium because we're not eating enough fruits and vegetables. Our soils are depleted, so we're not getting enough uh, magnesium. And so um, it's very important if we're worried about bone health to make sure that we're getting the right amounts of these kind of vitamins as well in addition to calcium. And calcium you can get from like leafy green vegetables, you can get from broccoli, you can get from almonds. So if they're eating these kinds of foods plus getting the right amount of all the other nutrients I talked about, there should be no problem. Mm. Okay, this next question is from Anonymous and when you read it, or when I read it, you'll know why. I have a persistent need to scratch my bottom. More importantly, my anus. Also, my daughter, who's six years old, has the same problem. She's always complaining that her butt itches. Really, her anal is itching. I looked online and read that anal itching is relatively a common complaint. And there are a number of reasons why anal itching occurs. What do you think are the most common reasons? And do you think I have parasites? Anonymous. I would say 95% likely that she has parasites. Yeah, it's, it's pretty common, guys. I mean, if you think about our pets, you know, um, that dogs, cats, aren't we taking them to the vet and aren't they giving them immediately antiparasitic medication? Well, we're animals as well. And so we're very prone to getting these parasitic infections. And if one person in the family has them, most likely everybody in the family has them because, you know, you could let's say touch somebody who has parasites, get um, something on your hands and then touch your eye and then you're infected, right? Um, so it, it's a very common thing. Um, and so I would definitely work with a functional medicine practitioner who can prescribe some medication to, uh, or a naturopath that can prescribe a regime to um, get rid of parasites. When you do get rid of parasites, not so much for children, but for adults, be aware that you're not gonna feel well at all. 
And that's because, like I mentioned before, when you're killing off pesticides, they're releasing these endotoxins and they really don't make you feel well. So maybe using a binder like um, activated charcoal or um, other kinds of things can help to alleviate the feeling low from extreme parasites. So definitely get that checked out. So what would you recommend as far as if you said the top things, the top natural remedies that you'd say for parasites, what would you say um, they would be? Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff. And usually I use a mixture of stuff. And I, and I work closely with the naturopath to really mix the right stuff together. So these are um, a lot of herbs like um, neem, it's called. Also oregano oil. Also powdarco. Also, um, what's the other one? Um, having trouble remembering the name. Ah, uh, black walnut. Mm. All of these, especially in mixtures and tinctures, can really help to get rid of um, parasites. And be wary that parasites love sugar. So if you have that sweet, persistent sweet tooth that's not going away, and you kind of think like, why do I want sugar? Mm. It's not you that wants it. It's the parasites. Candida mm. is also the same. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to follow you and your work? Sure. On Facebook and the, and Instagram, you can follow me at The Thyroid Dietitian. And I also have a website, um, thethyroiddietitian.com, where you can find my work. I also have a book out, Tired of Feeling Tired, which you can find anywhere that sells books online. So the Book Depository or Amazon or Barnes & Noble, you can get it from there. And uh, you can also reach out to me if you want to send an email at tina at the thyroiddietitian.com. You can find me through that as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. And if you, yes, and if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantalrayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.